What's up, homies? Welcome to the Life in Paradise podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Harper. Today is February 28th, 2021, on a Sunday afternoon. It is balmy and humid and nasty outside. It feels like it could be May, which is funny because two weeks ago, a freeze destroyed the entire state. But you're not here to hear me talk about the weather. You're here... I don't know, why are you here? You're here to hear me talk about something. I got plenty of it today. And as you know, I'm just a regular dude with a regular job who has tons and tons of opinions. So I come here about once a week to get them off my chest. Some you'll like, some you might not. But no matter what, we can still be friends. So sit back, relax, put on your 3D glasses that let me fly the ship for about the next 30 or 45 minutes. Man, 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 what a week it's been. Like I mentioned in the unpre-recorded intro, we, uh, we had a severe freeze two weeks ago. It was so severe that it froze every power plant <laughs> that we had in Texas. Well, maybe not all of them, but it froze a good chunk of them. So there was tons of people without power, without water. Here we are, two weeks later. My air conditioner is running. It's cloudy. It's muggy. You'd have never known that we were frozen to death two weeks ago. It was a pretty rough week for the old Bitcoin market. I think it fell about 20% down to... Around 43, 44,000 right now. So still hanging strong. Um, it may still fall quite a bit. That's okay. When it does, it's on sale and you're supposed to go buy Mo. I really haven't been keeping up with much in the political world lately. Um, it's been kind of nice, refreshing. I do really, really, really enjoy the videos of our president when he gets confused and he doesn't really know what he's talking about and what day of the week it is and and why he's up on this big stage with, with all these peoples around. And the, why there's this thing in his face, this big foam uh, cylinder looking ice cream cone right in his face. I, I do. I enjoy that. And some people might think, how could you enjoy that? He's just an old guy and he's getting older. And that's not nice. You should be friendly. shouldn't make fun of him. He's just an old guy. So I would like it to be known so there's no confusion. I have zero respect for that guy. And I know, I know, you're thinking, we've been chump. And maybe he is. I don't know. I doubt he is. But I don't respect him. I don't respect the way he sniffs the hair of little girls. I don't respect the way he refuses to claim one of his own grandkids because the son won't, won't claim the child because the baby's mom was some stripper. I don't respect the way that he has no respect for the average working American citizen. I don't respect that he has flip-flopped on almost every single topic that he supported in the 80s when he was a representative. And there's plenty more, but I won't bore you with them. And if your only argument is, Yeah, but he's been Trump. You need to check yourself, buddy. Because while he might be, quote, better than Trump, end quote, by your book, He's still not someone we should be proud of. And you may feel the same way about Trump, that we should not have been proud of him. And that is your opinion. In fact, I probably won't disagree much with it. 
What saddens me the most is that we're not willing to step outside the box and elect people who are true leaders, okay? If Joe Biden was a true leader, he would have been president a long time ago. He, 47 years he's been in the swamp, and he finally gets the coveted role of president. You know, you'd think they were playing some kind of game where whoever stays in Congress the longest gets the nod to the throne. It's quite embarrassing. I mean, think about it. We are the biggest, baddest country in the world. We have the most resources. We have the best technology. We are the wealthiest. Our people are the strongest. And I don't mean just how much they can pick up. I mean, their resilience, what they can deal with, the fortitude that they have. That is America. And the leader of America should embody all of those things. He should be a guy that when he walks into the room, everyone just feels them. They know that he's there. He doesn't have to flex. He doesn't have to put people down. If Joe Biden were the coach of an SEC football team, you think he'd still be there? You think he'd have a job? That should tell you a lot about our political process and our election system. The guy who supposedly got more votes than Donald Trump, Obama, and Bill Clinton can't even put a sentence together. He told me last, he came in to see me last event. And representatives, uh, Shirley Jackson Lee, Al Green, Sylvia Garcia, Lizzie Pinelli, uh, excuse me, Pinnell, and uh, what am I doing here? I'm going to lose track here. And uh, uh, Mayor Turner, Judge Hidalgo, uh, thank you all for welcoming us. Thank you all for welcoming us. <laughs> you know, I wish, I wish it weren't laughable. I wish we had a guy up there that I could respect, that I knew that if I walked into a room with, I would be a little bit intimidated by him. But we don't. We have a guy that lands in Houston and goes to meet with some people. And he likes to thank someone by the name of Sheila Jackson Lee. Oh, but wait. He calls her Shirley Jackson Lee. And representatives, uh, Shirley Jackson Lee. Now, I know, I know. He stutters. Be nice. I know. Let's just keep in mind, he's been in Congress for 47 years, right there alongside old Shirley Jackson Lee. They've both been there together. It's not like she's some rookie who just popped up and he, her name popped out of his mind. Her name is probably in his cell phone, if I had to guess. I'm going to start posting these, so get ready for them. I mean, I get like one or two a day. And it's, it's funny because they're hard to find online. You have, to go, you have to go away from Google to search. So I went to uh, DuckDuckGo. It's, it's an anonymous, unregulated search engine. And yep, there it is. But when you search for it on Google, it doesn't come up. You can't find it. What does that tell you? That tells you that the media is so embarrassed by this guy that they're hiding how weak he is. I don't know, man. Something's not adding up. He just, it just doesn't feel right. It does not feel right. I know, call me crazy, you felt the same way about Trump. I get it. At least Trump could make it through a speech. I mean, he very rarely fumbled over his words. And I think that's because he was confident. I think, although Trump didn't know a lot about a lot, and I truly feel that way, 
I think he knew how to project confidence. And I think he was acting a lot of times. But look, it got him through speeches. And, and yes, his speeches were rambling and no one wanted to hear them. And I understand and I agree. But at least his, his flow of thought came through in a way that told us his mind is sound. And that is not happening with Joe Biden. I don't care who you are. I don't care what political party you affiliate with. It doesn't matter to me who you voted for. There's no possible way you can look at that man who's like almost 80 and say, oh, yeah, he's sharp as a tack. Because we all know old people who are sharp as a tack. And you can spot them and you can talk to them and you can feel it and you know it. This guy is not that way. His mind's slipping. What do we have to look forward to? <laughs> Don't get me started. Okay. Speaking of applesauce, last week, I think it was last week, Listen, just so y'all know, these shows all run together for me. I don't know when I talked about what. I have them all stored like as notes in my phone, but I never go back and look at them to see when I talked about what. But I gave a brief lesson on Bitcoin not too long ago. And I want to go back and touch on that a little bit and explain why I think that the blockchain technology is going to change the finance world as we know it. And when you say things like, quote, the finance world, end quote, that, that encompasses a lot. I understand that. But what I'm talking about specifically, as Shirley Jackson Lee would say, is the movement of money, the cost of doing so, and also the borrowing and lending business. Let's talk about moving money first. Whenever you need to move money around the world, it can get expensive. It goes through different banks, different clearinghouses, everyone has to... Check it off, balance it, make sure that it's not two places at the same time. And it gets tricky. Well, with Bitcoin, you don't have that. Without going into a lot of technical, boring details, you just don't have it. So let's think about something that you could store value in um, that's safe. Like, let's just look at gold. So gold is good because you can divide it infinitely, at least theoretically. There's a published price for it. It's scarce. It's hard to come by. And so it, it can act as a currency or it can act as a store of value. The biggest problem with gold is that you can't move it around. It's very, very difficult. I mean, imagine if I wanted to go into a country with $100,000 of, of currency or, or value on my person or with me. You can't do it with gold. You can, however, put your Bitcoin on a thumb drive and stick it in your pocket. And so that's a huge advantage of Bitcoin is being able to move around. And so because you can move it easily, it's almost free to move it around. Right now, one of the systems that we use is called the ACH system. And I don't pretend to understand exactly how it works, but I know that it's a, it's a federally funded system. I think the Federal Reserve actually runs the whole show. But it's, it's a way to transfer money between banks, as you've seen it before, like ACH transfer. Well, Jerome Powell, who's the uh, Federal Reserve Chairman, he's the, he's the Chairman of the Federal Reserve Board, came out and goes, you know, there's no problems with the way that we move money around. Everything is fine. Our ACH system is strong. And then I think it was like the next day or the same day, the whole system went down. It caused all kinds of problems for banks and individuals. Even with us, we had a big problem with our bank. 
And so I thought it was just kind of funny that the dude comes out talking about how great the system is, and then, boom, Murphy's Law told him to sit down and shut up. And so even though we move money around digitally, it's still antiquated. The system that we use, it fails, it goes down, it's clunky, it requires maintenance. But the blockchain technology doesn't do that. It's the only computer network known to man that's never been hacked. It's been around 10 years. Not one time has it been hacked. Not one time has it ever gone down. So what you're going to see is people will buy cryptocurrency. Let's just use Bitcoin for our example. And then they're going to borrow against it. So right now it requires that your loans are 100% collateralized. In the future, that will be less. But imagine if you have a network of people that's the size of the entire world and you're matching up borrowers and lenders. And you don't need to know their credit score because you'll have a user-generated a peer-to-peer rating system that will show how likely these people are to repay their loans. And you can go back and you, you can look at their history and you'll be able to say, oh, they borrowed this money on this date and they paid it back on this date. And this is all stored in the blockchain. Remember, this is a new, new technology. We don't know how to use it yet. We're still trying to figure it out. Think of this as like the early, 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 early days of the internet. You know, remember the first time you ever heard of the internet? And this only applies to people who are, you know, 40 and above probably. But think about it, and it, it sounded unreal, and it sounded fantastical and amazing. And we didn't even realize the powers that it really had. We just thought it was a place where you could upload and download and share things in real time. But the blockchain is going to change everything. The main ways are going to be how data is stored, how money is moved, and the lending and borrowing system. And you're saying, why are you so sure? How do you know? You just think you know everything. You just know it. How do you just know? Well, let me just tell you. I happen to have a decent track record when it comes to this, mind you. And I'll remember the feeling that I had when I learned about Bitcoin in 2011. And the light bulb went off in my head, and it goes, bing! And I thought, that is it. That is the way of the future. Decentralized. It's cheap. It's efficient. All the things jumped out of my head, and I thought, yep, this is going to work. So I went and I bought some. Keep in mind, I didn't buy it for an investment. I bought Bitcoin because I had faith in the blockchain, and I knew that one day it would be the way. And so it's here. The the time is here. It's just now starting. It's not too late to understand it and figure out how to get in on it. Here's a few other things that I called along the way. I called the iPod. I remember one time putting a CD in my Sony Discman CD player. And it was scratched. And I kept hearing the, you know, when the CD is scratched. And I thought to myself, you know what? One day... This is just going to be a solid-state drive. There's going to be nothing spinning, no moving parts. It's just going to be a chip. And on your chip, we'll have all your songs. And then I thought, well, maybe the chips will go in and out. You can, the chips will be like records. And then fast forward a little bit of time, and I saw how computers were working, and I thought, you know what? You're going to have, you're going to have every song you can think of on a solid-state drive that doesn't spin and won't skip and doesn't scratch. There you go. A few years later, the iPod comes out. Boom. I nailed it. Keep in mind this was in ninth grade. 
I also called the housing market crash. I was working in construction, building homes, and I called it. I saw what was happening. I knew it was going to happen. I prepared myself ahead of time. I went and started a concrete business. Because why? Because you can put concrete in churches and buildings and roads and everywhere else besides houses. And I was right. The housing market crashed. So I'm sitting here telling you that the blockchain is going to take off. Does that mean you should run out and buy Bitcoin? I don't know. That's up to you. But it does mean that we have on record the fact that Brandon Harper says blockchain is going to change the world as we know it in regards to finance and possibly currency. So the great governor, Greg Grabit came out a week or so ago and said that maybe he would consider addressing the mask mandate policy. Naturally, after hearing this, I got a little bit worked up. <laughs> not the fact that, not worked up at the fact that him removing it would, would piss me off. Just the idea of just hearing about it makes me mad. So I went and I did a little bit of research. I wanted to know, now that we've been through this, and now that we've peaked, according to all the experts, now that we're on the downhill slide, now that we're considering taking rules away, let's go back and look at some data and see how things fared. Let's see what was effective and what wasn't effective. So I went back and I looked at the two states off the top of my head that had the most opposed policy when it came to managing COVID. And that was Florida and California. So if you'll remember, Florida caught nonstop flack for being open and not requiring masks and all the things that the people who love to hate people hate, okay? Then you have California. They were just doing it so right, and everyone was just being sacrificial and, and staying their home and doing virtual hugs and skipping Thanksgiving and letting people die alone, all in the name of the greater good. So we can go back, and we can now look at how they handled the COVID. You'll be very surprised to know that both states peaked about the exact same time. That's the first week of January. Guess who else peaked at that same time? Texas. So, judging from these data sets, we can assume that all these rules and all these regulations and all this fighting and arguing was for naught. There was zero purpose. In fact, I keep waiting. I keep waiting to see some statistics that support the other side. I'm thinking, you know what? There's a bunch of smart people out there who really love the mask and they think that it should work and it help and, and surely they can produce some data showing how effective it was. But they can't because there's none. I mean, I say that maybe there's some that hasn't come out yet. But if you just search for Florida COVID and take a snapshot of that chart, it shows you the number of cases that they had reported every day. And I understand the case numbers are inaccurate. And I understand the deaths are inaccurate. I get all that. But we're comparing the same data sets. So we can assume that those errors are pretty close to the same between the two states. So that, those kind of cancel each other out. And they both have like a slight little peak right around June. And then that's when everyone kind of flipped out. Everyone started managing things, going back inside, staying back in your house. And then the numbers fell. And from that point forward... States kind of did things their own way. And lo and behold, the numbers show that the extreme lockdowns had no more effect than the way Florida handled things. 
And I know some people's response is, well, we had to try something. We had to, we had to do something. We had to try. No, we didn't. And do you know why? Because we would have been right by not doing it. Look at the cost. Look what we did. We killed businesses. We shifted well from all the mom and pop stores all to Amazon and Walmart and these guys. And I'd be willing to bet my bottom dollar that if this type of thing ever happens again, people will react the same way. They will run around like Smurfs when Gargamel's coming. And they will think, we have to try something, we have to do something. And we'll say, hey, look, we have all this data from last time. And they'll say, yeah, but this is a new virus and we don't understand it. It's new, it's new, it's so new, it's new. Because people are more concerned with being right or wrong than they are managing a virus based on the data. That's what's wrong with this country. And I'll be the first one to tell you, I don't like the mask. I know you're sick of hearing about it. I wanted to tell a story to give an example of how I don't like the mask or, or, or illustrate a reason as to why seeing facial expressions are somewhat beneficial. At the brewery on Friday night, I was there working. We were slammed. I was helping out behind the bar, was helping people get their food, serving them drinks. Well, we ran out of food, and the, the guy, the last guy to order, put in his order, and someone from the kitchen comes out and goes, hey, we're out of brisket and we're out of ribs. This guy had already put his order in. He'd already paid. He got all fussy. Okay, He started getting all whiny. I could tell he was mad. I said, look, sir, I'm so sorry. Uh, we ran out of food. This happens to us because we cook barbecue, and we can't just cook more at the drop of a hat. We have no idea how many people to expect every night, and we do the best we can. You know, it was very nice to him. He's like, I just, I just wanted some barbecue. Through his mask. I just wanted some barbecue. I'll translate that. I just wanted some barbecue. And I thought, you ungrateful punk. Like, here I am apologizing that we didn't get you your barbecue. And you can't even accept it. So I gave him his money back. And then I gave him a $50 gift card. Five zero. I said, man, please come back and see us. But I... I was so frustrated because I couldn't tell if he was angry, if he was frustrated, if he was sad. Now, I knew he wasn't happy. I could tell that. But without being able to see his face, it drives me crazy. I communicate all day with lots of people. And, and these conversations matter. They have an end result. Something comes of them. There's either conflict or there's not. Or there's, some, there's something involved that needs to be sorted out. And the the end result matters. And being able to not see someone's facial expressions makes it very, very difficult. It makes me uncomfortable. I do not like it. So you take that combined with the fact that Corpus Christi is getting 30 new cases a day. Okay, we got 450,000 people here. We're getting 30 new cases. Take off the face diapers. People Look around you. You can see people are not dying in the streets. Your hospitals are not overloaded. Everyone is fine. We've made it through this thing. There will still be people who get it. There will still be people who die. That's probably going to be through eternity. But at some point, we have to start thinking rationally. We have to ask ourselves, maybe it's okay if we stop putting a piece of cloth over our nose and our mouth for eight hours a day, which, by the way, after wearing a mask for 15 minutes, you can culture it and get 700 different types of virus and bacteria on it.
Like, not only all that, but now we have a vaccine. And listen, listen, I don't understand. We, we're acting like we don't know anything about the vaccine. Like, oh, um, yeah, but if you get it, um, you still have to wear the mask, and you still have to stay inside, and you still have to do social distancing, and you can't be around people. What? What do you mean you can't be around people? What do you mean? Th th does the vaccine work, or does the vaccine not work? Well, just as a, as a precautionary measure, um, you should still stay home and social distancing and social distancing and stay home and wear a mask. Do we really not know? Do we really not know what's safe and what's dangerous when it comes to this vaccine? Do you think that the FDA would release a drug in any other time that we would just not know? We would just, we don't really know if you can still get it or not, if you're safe or what. We really not, don't give any recommendations. It's just kind of like, well, just be safe. Does that not raise an eyebrow? Does that not make you question things? Regardless, I don't care if you sleep in your mask and you walk alone in your mask and you drive alone in your mask. This thing, this idea with a vaccine sh should raise a question. It should make you say like, okay, why do they not know? How can they not be certain? Could you imagine if you went and you got a pill for high blood pressure and they're like, well, we think it's going to work, but it's all still new. So we're not really sure. Are you freaking kidding me? I don't know. I, I just, this whole thing has taught me so much about humanity. It's taught me how much people love to take sides. It's taught me how easy it is to divide people. It's taught me how easy you can get compliance through fear. It's taught me how weak we are as a generation or as a, as a body of people. How weak we've gotten over the years. It's taught me how bravery is dead. It's also taught me how fragile our supply chains are. But mostly it's shown me how people would just follow. They would just follow whatever they're told to do. They're not going to challenge things. They're not going to ask questions. They're just going to do it. And I'm not going to lie. That makes me sad. It really does. Because it shows the government how much power they can have over us. It's also shown me how much people care about what other people think. Okay, listen, we all know the mask rules. We all know you can walk into a restaurant and you have to have it on. And then when you sit down, you can take it off. And no one mentions how silly it is. If they do, they will still comply. So even the people that recognize how silly it is, well, let me back up a little bit. Even the people who are willing to say out loud how silly these rules are will still follow them. Just because they're worried about what people think. Like, they are literally worried about what some stranger in some restaurant or convenience store thinks about them. Can you believe that? Imagine, like, I, let's just say that you have some random person. And they tell you that they, they disagree with something. They think it's unnecessary. Or, or that it could pro possibly be unnecessary. And they don't approve of it. But they're still willing to do it. Well, why? Why would you go through all that if you feel so strongly about it? Well, I just don't want to piss anybody off, okay? Like people you work with or your household? No, no, just, just strangers at the gas station. <laughs> you don't want to piss them off? Mm-mm, no, no, I don't want to piss them off. And then they say, well, it's their store. You know, it's their store. They, they can make the rules, and I can either, I can either comply with the rules or, or not shop there. Yeah, you can. Or you can not wear the mask and still shop there. You can make them kick you out. 
Because that's what you do when you have convictions and you feel strongly about things. And maybe you don't feel strongly. Maybe it's just, well, whatever, I'll still do it. I genuinely wonder what goes through your mind when you see someone not wearing a mask. And I really hope it's something along the lines of, well, that's his face, it's his body, it's his mask. If he wants to wear one, fine. If not, fine. That's what should be going through your mind. None of this, well, he hates old people, or he doesn't care about me, or he's disrespectful. No, that's not true anymore. This is it's over with. The numbers don't warrant it. It's done. Keep wearing your mask, though, because I will clown that ass. My favorite videos are the ones where I video people walking around by themselves outside with the face diaper on. I have a, a couple groups of people that we exchange these silly videos at least once a week. Or the lady who's driving alone in her minivan <laughs> with no kids but wearing a mask. That makes me laugh. But you know what's even grosser than the face diaper? Well, let me back up a little bit. If we were to introduce this today, it wouldn't make it. It would fail. And that is Taco Bell. <laughs> I thought of that because every now and then I have this weird craving for Taco Bell. It's about once a month, something like that. And every time I get it, I normally eat it in my truck in the privacy of my own self. <laughs> so no one has to see me eating Taco Bell. But I always think, Nothing that they serve is cooked inside that store. It's all pre-cooked. It's basically microwaved, boiled, or steamed, and then assembled inside of a tortilla and sold. And it's funny because we've, we've had this whole health food resurgence, like this whole movement towards eating clean and staying healthy, which is cool. I get it. That's, that's all things that we should, we should pay attention to. But fast food businesses are thriving more than ever. And it's just, it's ironic to me. It's like, here's healthy. And we Americans like, nope, we don't want healthy. We want good. We want tasty. We want cheap. We want fast. We want everything except good. <laughs> but imagine if we took all of the, um, the cancer-causing agents or the, the extremely unhealthy ingredients in all this food and we traced it down to the number of deaths per year, per month, would it still be legal? It would probably be more than COVID. You know, I, I would think that fast food contributes to more deaths than COVID. And just look at the difference in reactions. It's astounding. It really is. And if you're sick of hearing me talk about COVID, you better send me some topics because no one sends me anything. I told you I was going to do a podcast about what I think about. And unless I get some input on some other topics, I'm going to keep doing it. And then, you know what? It may be COVID every single week. It may be the mask every single week. It may be Bitcoin every single week. If you don't like it, send me something. And if you do like it, just keep coming back. All right. Uh, we're getting pretty close to the end of this hayride. I mentioned last week that my cousin Harry and I were going to be starting a legit podcast. I don't know what we're going to call it yet, but it's going to be like a real podcast. We're going to have a website. We're going to have merch one day, hopefully. We're going to have a logo. Oh, we're going to have all the things. 
I know I'd mentioned that I'd been on his a couple times uh, recently, but I think we're going to go all in on one. So I'll keep you posted on that. It's basically just long form conversation about nonsensical calamities and ramblings. Thanks again for listening to the Life in Paradise podcast. My name's Brandon Harper. I don't do pre-recorded intros. I want everyone to go out there, stand up for what you believe in, own your thoughts, don't be a coward, question things, be respectful, and find someone who disagrees with you about something and talk about it with them. And prove to them that you can still be friends. Once again, thanks for listening to Life in Paradise podcast. Keep it tranquil. She's pure as New York snow. She got Betty Davis eyes. And she teases you. Just to please you She's got better day besides